0: podcast family. Welcome to Motherhood in Black and White. My name is Kanji. I'm Tara. And this week we are going to speak a little bit about how we can raise resilient kids. Carl Jung once wrote, I am not what happened to me. I am what I choose to become. And so often what has happened to us as parents influences and informs how we raise our kids and the question that we want to ask is how can we raise resilient kids what does resilience mean to you Tara
1: resilience means to me I think of toughness like as a definition you know the ability I think we looked at that didn't we (laughs) I'll just give the definition of resilience Uh, you know the ability to overcome difficulties but I've always thought of it as you know being tough being resilient that's like you in a nutshell. (laughs) Some days it feels like I am, and other days not so much. (laughs) You
0: know, and and having resilient kids Mm -hmm. necessarily implies that your kids have difficulties. And something that I realized is my child's life is not very difficult. Yeah. But I also look at it as a reflection of what my childhood was. And yeah, and so and so for for me and and for when we decided to talk about this podcast about how we raise resilient kids, I realized that a lot of it needs to start with an audit of ourselves mm-hmm. because the resilience and the ability to overcome difficulties for us, I think, necessarily happened because we had some some rather intense childhoods, if I, if that's accurate to say.
1: Yes, it is. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, back in the nineteen nineties, there were some psychologists that created a test called the Adverse Childhood Experiences Questionnaire. Mm-hmm. And last week I shared this with you. And what this, I <laughs> know, <laughs> yeah, don't laugh, don't give away. I, uh, I
1: know, right? But you uh, you had never taken it before, right? I had right? never taken it before. I had heard the term before, but I'd never sat down and looked at the actual questions.
0: The ACE, it's the Adverse Childhood Experiences Questionnaire, and it measures 10 types of childhood trauma. And the higher the score that a person receives the higher that person's risk of health emotional and social problems later in life and the psychologists and sociologists realize there's a direct link between later in life health and well-being issues and early childhood trauma so you and I both took this test, correct? And because we are both
1: overachievers, <laughs> overachievers we both basically nailed it. <laughs> that's right, ten out of ten. <laughs> we aced the ace test. Plus. <laughs> I don't know if that's the test you want to do. Really, a no, well lot. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's the one you want. <laughs>
0: because, you know, and, and I looked at it and I realized that my childhood upbringing obviously was not "quote unquote" normal, right? You know, um, but it was what I know. It's what I knew, and it's what I experienced. Mm-hmm. So. Later in life, as I started to meet people that had two-parent households yeah. and, and had healthy relationships with extended family members and had um, resources, right? you know, and, and, and it made me realize, like, wow, this is not something that I can just see on TV. This is the experience that a lot of people have.
1: Yeah, I w- it was a little different for me because maybe not the entire time I was growing up, but for a good chunk of it, I was seeing two-parent households and people that seem to be living what I would call a TV normal life. Mm -hmm. And so as a kid, I actually felt really isolated, like nobody's having this experience that I'm having. So it was really scary and kind of tough. And as I've grown older, I've learned that turns out a lot of people were having this right. experience. You know what I mean? So I've had more shared connection and realizing that I wasn't the only one that had those kind of experiences. Because mm-hmm. at the time, when I was looking out, it looked to me like I was the only one. Yeah. You know,
0: You know. And, and when I I don't share a lot of my upbringing with people that I meet later in life, and especially now that we live in a city where everyone knows me as Roman's mom, because right. we moved to the city when our son was three so when people start to hear a little bit about my upbringing and my story, they're like, really? Yeah. That's how you were raised? But you're so su- successful now. You're mm-hmm. quote unquote successful. Mm-hmm. And I looked at this test and they, the test said if you score higher than a four, you have a higher percentage of um, having um, the ability, you know, having teenage pregnancies or having yeah. higher um Heart disease. Yeah, was. I was
1: surprised at those. It was like three hundred percent more likely to have heart disease. Mm-hmm. It was like two hundred percent more likely to have like COPD, right. like lung issues, diabetes. I was like, oh, like mm-hmm. I didn't realize there was such a direct correlation, right? And yeah. then
0: so I was looking at these factors that they they say are going to be indicators of illnesses, mm-hmm. health, social, economic, mental issues in life, and I was like, well, I got way above a four. <laughs> Like again. Ace the ace test. Same. Yeah. And so I looked at well, so why is it that there are certain people that have childhood trauma and because of the severity of that childhood trauma kind of succumb to some of these illnesses and right. issues. Mm-hmm. And then there are some that don't. And then there the psychologist said there's a direct correlation between what was then developed is the resilience test. Mm-hmm. So we took that test as well.
1: That's correct. Right? And, right. and I aced it. Aced it again. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. That's why I love you. And I was like, <laughs> what score did you get? Right. I'm like, where's yours? <laughs> well, and they will see the resilience. So the ACE test was 10 mm-hmm. questions and I was 10 out of 10. And then the resilience quiz was 14. And I was 13 out of 14. They tell you to look at it both ways, right? I was 13 out of 14 as a young person, and then today I'm actually a 14 out of 14. So I was like, all right then, yeah, I'm doing all right. So the the
0: integration of resilience factors Mm -hmm. and the ability to develop coping skills can really help people improve their lives. So what we want to talk about and touch on is twofold. It's how we can develop resilient kids, especially when there is an absence of, uh, quote unquote, difficult child. Right. And, And I'm not by any means saying that or in any way indicating that there's levels of childhood trauma or difficulties because childhood is going to be hard for so many of our kids. Of course. And there are going to be experiences that kids have that may not be the type of trauma that you or I experienced. But our kids are definitely going to experience things that are traumatic and traumatizing to them Mm -hmm. and how we can help them overcome it. So what have you found in your experience with parenting gauge your almost 11-year-old Yeah, is something that- he's having difficulties with or or how you work to help him to develop that resilient muscle.
1: One of the things I was thinking about after we took this too, is that I guess in my mind, I also thought that the only way to teach him resilience was through difficulty, but I'm finding that's a little different, but I know specifically he's, yeah, he'll be 11 this summer and not too long ago. I, even on this podcast, I shared a story about him getting in some pretty big trouble. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I was, we were pretty upset with him and that trouble for him turned out to create some pretty big feelings for him. And he, he leaned towards some some solutions that weren't productive. You know, I don't want to share his whole story, so I won't. But it was pretty tough. Like, we had a really rough go of it for a few days, Um, just talking him through, you know, his feelings coming out of getting in trouble and how he could better sort of reckon with those feelings, like what some better choices would be. And, you know, I didn't think about it at the time as a – lesson in resilience, but you know, what I do remember is that when it was happening, I had to check myself and my, how I handle difficult situations and try to model that for him. Mm -hmm. You know, I had to stay calm, you know, talk him through how he was feeling, why he felt like that was the right move, what I would prefer in the future how he could come and talk to me about anything that he was feeling and just kind of open up those lines of communication. We talked about if there's somebody else he needs to talk to, if we need to find some additional help, you know, I just try to show him that there's another way to solve your problem. Like, and I think like, and when we were reading the resilience comments about how to kind of flex that muscle, Mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of it is about making connections outside of yourself, problem solving, looking for solutions that are long-term and not short-term, that kind of stuff. And I mean, I don't know if I did it right. It felt right. right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you ever have one of those times when you're like working your kid, working something out with your kid. And I walked away and I was like, okay, I think, I think we did okay. I was like heartbroken and like hurting myself, but I couldn't, I, you know, I was trying to hold space for him to have his feelings. Of course. And then I like walked up and <laughs> had my feelings to myself later, you know, but I think that's one of the things that I also thought I didn't get as a kid, you know, Mm -hmm. dealing with like really tough stuff. And so I try to model for him what I wanted or what I would have wanted.
0: Thank you for sharing that. And it's so important to have that and be that emotional support for our kids. Yeah, We talked earlier about like what the definition of resilience was, you know, Mm -hmm. and we talk about what resilience is, is the ability to recover quickly from difficulties. Mm -hmm. And I've worked really hard in my adult life to make sure that my son doesn't have difficulties in his yeah. life, you know, and we 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 talk and we share a lot. And recording this episode a couple of days after the the killing of twenty year old Dante Wright um, in Minneapolis, it just brings up a lot of issues that we've talked about on this podcast, and I've shared with you offline mm-hmm. about the need or the desire to protect um, adolescent black boys, mm-hmm. and the saying that I grew up with, with my mom and my two brothers, and looking at how differently we were parented in the exact same household, right? And we say, you know, that black women love their sons, but they raise their daughters. And so I was raised from a very early age to have a lot of adulting in my childhood. Responsibility. Responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, responsibility. Adulting. I did a lot. And I was like, well, how come I'm writing checks? How come I'm (laughs) doing dishes? How come I'm taking the bus? And all of these things I did at a very young age. Mm -hmm. And I look at my 12-year-old son and realize that he doesn't do any of that. So my husband and I had very challenging childhoods, both of us. And we've worked to take away that difficulty that Roman has. Like Mm -hmm. he has this um, kind of rose-colored view of the world and it's partially because I know how difficult the world outside of our four walls can and could be for him just because of the color of his skin. Yeah. And so I really do hold that scaffolding up really tight and high. Mm-hmm. And I do things that I probably shouldn't, you know, still make him breakfast in the morning <laughs> and and drive him places when he really could ride his bike or walk. <laughs> um, but a lot of it comes from one, the knowledge that he's not going to get the ability to do that and have the latitude to do that out in the world.
1: Yeah.
0: And two, my own fear of what will happen when I let that scaffolding go. Mm-hmm. Because the only place we can really protect him is within these four walls. But conversely, that's not building any resilience in this <laughs> kid, you know? He's not <laughs> learning to do things for himself. And yeah. so There's a balancing act there that I kind of wanted to walk through and podcast family. I don't know if any of you parents also feel the same way. Just you know that you need to let that scaffolding go and you know that you need to let the kids fall. And you know that you're going to be there to catch them. But it's terrifying to think of how it's going to feel when they start to fall. Yeah. So so I wanted to talk through that a little bit. So understanding like, okay. These are my own issues I got to work through. <laughs> so, so let's work through these. How can we develop resilient kids? You and I had had a talk offline and mm-hmm. and actually were able to find some great resources that we can share. But ultimately, I think there's a couple of real actionable items that people can do and and parents we can do to to help to flex that muscle, like you said earlier, Tara, right? Right. And for me, I saw, and I know the first thing that I need to do is, To not always provide all of the answers, you know, Mm -hmm. to let him fall and fail. Yeah. Um, I did it when he was an infant. You know, that's how you learn how to walk. Like every time he was stumbling, I would let him fall. Mm -hmm. But something happened as he started getting older. I, I stopped letting him fall and stopped letting him fail. So I think that that is a really important key for us as parents especially those of us who are quick to intervene and want to be problem solvers. Right. I don't know what Enneagram type that would be.
1: Um, (laughs) You know, you would know, Tara. I don't know. I mean, I'd probably call it a three. (laughs) I mean, you know, and I think some of that's on the other side. It's like, not only do we want them to maybe not have any difficulties, but we also want them to succeed. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes in our effort to like push them to success, we don't make them push themselves. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I know I shared with you earlier, we were, Gage was like, I wanted to do that art poster, but we didn't do it. I'm like, who's we? Like, <laughs> if you wanted to do an art contest, tell me what you need. You could do, you know, it's mm-hmm. like if we don't let them build that drive for themselves, yeah. then when we're not there, where's it going to come from? You know, it's, it's, there's a lot to the whole building resilience. You know, it's not just about letting them fail, but also about letting them find it in themselves to solve problems find it in themselves to want to succeed and do that thing
0: that's so good yeah it just makes me question why it is that those of us who were Gen Xers who did so much on our own right. who kind of at a really early age had to be independent we've swung we in the have, entire week. <laughs> turned-
1: we have just failed these Gen Zers and Gen oh, Alpha. I mean, like, how did that forth? happen? I don't know. I think about that a lot. I was just talking to a friend of mine about it the other day. I go, We're we're out here in these streets talking about how tough we were. And then our kids are like the just ice, wildest kids. Ice cream softies. You <laughs> know, you
0: know, and, you know and, and it's not just us. Yeah because I've seen it in my neighborhood. Uh, yeah. you know, Roman was at the park a few months ago and he's in sixth grade and they were playing Sports with um, fourth graders on this park, and the and these moms came out of nowhere to complain that they were playing too rough with these kids. And I was like, "What is it that these fourth grade moms are even doing? Like, let your kids just play <laughs> yeah, in the yeah, field." Yeah, yeah. are they complaining? Yes. They yeah. were, and then they were trying to videotape the kids, and, oh, my goodness. and the eighth graders intervened. But it was like. As mothers, my mother had no idea what I was doing no, in the afternoon. It was Mm-mm. like, go outside and stay yeah. outside till the street lights come on. Yeah. And then you come back in the house, yeah, right? right? But with our kids, it's there's a, a lot of helicoptering going on. But yeah. we
1: didn't have that. So where does that come from? I mean, I think it's just straight compensation. I think it's pretty straightforward. I mean, you and I talk a lot about we had these tough childhoods. And so we've tried to make a childhood that we would have wanted that's Mm. easier and softer and, you know, appearance is more fun. You know, I I think that at least that's for me. I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think, you know, if I'm looking at it and I've talked to my therapist, (laughs) I've talked to my girlfriends about this and we all know that we overcompensate in this area and we're all trying to like temper it as much as we can. But what I will, what I will say about our kids, they might be spoiled. They are spoiled Mm -hmm. and they they may not have a lot of difficulties, but they also have an insane amount of confidence, like mm-hmm. way more confidence <laughs> than I had as a kid. It blows my mind. Like that's one thing I I kind of tease my friends and our generation of kids about is that, listen, yeah, maybe they don't have a lot of tough times, but they say what they mean. They ask for what they want. They do what they, you know what I mean? They have that thing. And I, and I know like for me personally, and, you know, some of my friends that we've talked to, we were sort of raised to be silent, not be seen, you know, just do what you're told. And I don't know about your kid. My kid don't have that. My yeah. kid does not have that. <laughs> it's like He is out there doing his thing, whatever he wants, however he wants to do it. He has no fear about it not being perfect. I mean, he's just he's just living his life. And and I and I like that about him. I think that that is a good skill that they're developing the yeah. confidence.
0: We also need to temper it with yeah. <laughs> ability. That's true. And so I think that for my situation our son is is very confident but also not extremely capable in some yeah. of the things. And that comes from an inability to to deal with setbacks because there haven't been a lot of setbacks yeah. in his life. And I look at what we've come through dealing with this pandemic. Mm-hmm. What we come through when you don't get your way, when you when when you feel the disappointment. And I look at how I can teach him to deal with disappointment and to bounce back from rejection um, if, it even, if it hasn't happened to him, right? right? And I said, the one thing that I can do is to model it in what I do. Right. And so for me, the biggest takeaway I have and what I hope comes across in my parenting is as I audit my own behavior and I check myself, Mm. That I'm able to then model resilience so he sees it even if he's not experiencing it. right. And that comes back to what you were saying earlier, Tara. Um like they don't have to go through the difficult stuff, right? But they need to see that when people that they love and people around them are also going through difficulties, how we're handling it. right. So if there is a sense of being disappointed or discouraged, not able to go on family vacation because of pa- uh, pandemic, not able to see family because, of the holidays not able to go somewhere yeah it's how we respond and our attitudes and the words that we use when we deal with that rejection or negativity that's really going to
1: inform how they are and how resilient they become yeah i agree with you i i definitely try to model that for him and i try to be transparent about when i am disappointed when you know i think um Sometimes you get in the habit of trying to hide the tough stuff from your kid. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like because you don't want them to, you know, see that you're struggling. But I have found some of like our best conversations, you know, my best conversation with Gage, my best moments with Gage are when I'm just transparent about like, hey, buddy, I'm sorry. I'm just, you know, I'm really today was a bad day or, you know, in the morning sometimes. <laughs> and now he'll do it to me. He'll get up in the morning and I'll be like, hey, how you doing? He'll be like, I'm really grumpy today. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to, I just don't want to really talk or I'm like, okay, cool. Well, let me know if you need anything. Okay, cool. So I just feel like naming the the emotions and being honest about when it is hard and how you're handling the mm-hmm. hard and continuing to show up every day. I think you're right. I think that's, I think that's a big part of it.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, we need to make sure that we teach them how to handle hardship and failure, Mm -hmm. how they see how we handle hardship and failure, and realize that when we start to remove the scaffolding, they may fall and they may hurt themselves. Mm -hmm. um, But they can fall out in the world and they can hurt themselves out in the world. Um, And I think growing up, it's a lot harder to let go, especially when we see... Um, how challenging and how difficult and how ugly it can be in the outside world. Mm-hmm. You just want to keep them safe and you want to protect them from everything. But protecting them gives them, um, as my husband says, like a false sense of confidence because they see the world through rose-colored glasses that they need to take off and and see the world the way it is and then live in that world and live in that truth and figure out how they can navigate it successfully. Because one of the things that I'm most proud of is the fact that, yeah, I had challenges and I had difficult situations, but I'm better for it because I was able to overcome it, right? Um, Right. I knew how to change buses on the public transportation system (laughs) at 11 years old. I could read that bus map and I could change it, you know. yeah. Moving to New York at 21 years old by myself, was able to navigate situations as a young adult. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that's eight years away for for Roman, he doesn't know how to do that. He wouldn't know how to do that because he's not developing and flexing that muscle. And I need to start teaching him now. So that's something that I'm going to intentionally start doing with my parenting this year is to start to let go. A little (laughs) bit. A little bit. And family got to see what happens, but I should like start creating a blog, be like, what happens (laughs) when Roman starts... (laughs)
1: we're just gonna doing... chip away at the scaffolding a little bit at a time really that's the way you do it you don't just <laughs> let it go I mean I guess it depends on what opportunities for the present themselves right you can practice a little bit you don't have to wait for a big difficult situation <laughs> you can practice a little ways I mean and I think the important thing to remember is that um the thing that he's gonna have that maybe you didn't have is he's gonna have you as the soft place to land when yeah. he does fall it's well thank you okay. for that You're yeah welcome.
0: yeah I think that that's something to remember is that as we let go of the scaffolding and we remove that to never remove the emotional support. Right. Because that's what they're going to need and that's what they're going to lean on. And that's what we're going to lean on with each other, you know, not just with our our parenting situation, but with our friends as well. So so we take that with us as we strive to raise resilient kids And flex that muscle, not only in them,
1: but But in uh, myself. myself. I'm going to work on making myself more resilient. (laughs) I was reading those. I was like, what else do I need to do? Let me make sure I'm doing this. And you're definitely going to do it. Because that's just you, lifelong
0: learner. So before we wrap up, let's talk about what the next couple of weeks are bringing for you. How is school going? And talk to us about your courses
1: for the next semester. Yeah. School's going, well, I'm not going to say school's going well. School has been really (laughs) tough this semester. Let me, let me be transparent. It's been really hard. This is, um, I took three classes this semester, which is uh, one more than normal. And they're all three, like my last core classes. So they're really tough, really Mm -hmm. demanding, but I have um, about, I guess, three weeks left. Finals will be done. Final project will go in at May 12th. So I'll be done May 12th. Then I have summer and fall, and I've got two electives each semester. And then, december i'll be an MBA graduate i love it yeah. i'm looking forward to the graduation party yeah me too i yeah. keep i keep doing this thing in my mind especially this semester i'm like this time in like three weeks i'll be done with this semester and then like this time at christmas i'll be done like i keep like just i just need a little fast forward every now and again i know you're supposed to be present but every now and again i need to like at christmas i'll be done <laughs>
0: We should have like a really big party in December for your graduation. You know my husband's a DJ, so that's
1: right. We can have
0: we can play like all the nineties hip hop we want. And it'll probably upset some of our new other friends. Uh But I'm gonna start working on my playlist, please.
1: (laughs) We are ready. So this is explicit. Don't bring your kids to a party. (laughs) This is not for the faint heart. This is not
0: a Disney crowd. That's correct. Oh, that's fantastic. What's going on for you? Well, as I mentioned on last week's episode Mm -hmm. when we had Dr. Shazia Anwar on talking about raising Muslim kids in Ramadan. I did share that I'm starting a new position. So I am pivoting and I'm taking on a non-legal role for the first time in 16 years. That starts next week and it's it's scary because so excited it is for you. very exciting yes. to be going to a new opportunity and the ability to continue to work in the equity ecosystem Uh and to advance understanding and celebrate diversity. It's the perfect time to do it because April is Celebrate Diversity Month. And I love the opportunity to continue to use my voice and use my platform to try to work to make this a better world, not just for Roman for Gage, but for all of our kids. So podcast family, that is what I'm going to be doing and more details to
1: come. Yeah, we've got a busy couple of weeks coming up, me and you. It's going to be crazy. I love it. But we're still going to be bringing the podcast. (laughs) Every week. Every week on the same platforms. Make sure you're following. Make sure you're leaving us reviews. We're bringing you episodes all the time. No matter how busy we get, we're always coming back to you guys. Podcast family, we're never too busy for
0: you because you matter. And understanding that we are better in this parenting experience when we share our stories and listen to one another and learn and unlearn some of the unhealthy things that may have happened in our childhoods just to make us better adults and better parents we move forward. So with that being said, we are going to sign off so Tara can go study.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I need it.
0: (laughs) Say Say all the good prayers and send the good vibes for us, guys. Always good vibes, always. Remember, be good to one another. Guard your health, mental, physical, and spiritual. We'll see you back next week, same time, same place. Take good care.